please stop that. <laughs> well, you have that amusement. I just want to go into the robot, you know. But um, I, I'm sure my kids are going to hate me now. Sorry, sorry, Nick and Sarah, I didn't mean to embarrass you. The wisest and richest man in the world wrote 31 chapters full of guidance and direction. Of course, you know that his name is Solomon, King Solomon, and he wrote the Proverbs. And the Proverbs, in case you don't know, are pithy little sayings that full, packed full of direction and guidance and wisdom for our lives. And so we are continuing in our series on the family and, and gleaning wisdom, direction, to help us have great families. And I'm going to just say this today, that uh, our... Our families are under attack. I don't know if you recognize that. I'm going to just share some statistics in a few moments. But, but suffice it to say, and I think most of us know it, that the family is, is not valued the way it was even 50 years ago. And here's what, here's what Solomon says about marriage. He says, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Now, you may have memorized it in your Bible. Uh, the man who finds wife finds a, a good thing. Uh, I like the word treasure better, don't you? And he receives favor from the Lord. So we're going to look at this passage of Scripture today. We're going to find out uh, what wisdom is, is buried deep in there. We're going to try to unpack it and see all that there is for us. But let me begin by just saying this. Um, uh, men and women are different. Anybody not figure that out yet? So I, I found a few, in, I didn't have enough time to really find more, but I found a few that uh, I thought were funny. And if you don't think they're funny, just laugh at them so I don't feel bad, okay? <laughs> so the first one, how women read love letters and how men love le- read love letters. Do you see it? He's like this. And she's all like, There really is a difference. Um, the guys, by the way, especially young guys, take a lesson here. Even if you don't feel like, pretend. Here's how men and women see each other in the mirror. And of course, it doesn't help when your wife keeps telling you how gorgeous you are. So... Um, how about this one? When women pack, start a month early, make tons of lists, pack for yourself. For guys, five minutes before departure, and we're done. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference. There's a big, big difference between men and women. Let's go back to this first. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. Sadly, many families are, in fact, battle zones, and... It's the mother against the father, the father against the mother, or sometimes it's the mother and father against the kids, or it's a father with one of the kids and the mother with one of the kids, and and there's this battle raging in their home. And for so many people, family is just a crazy place. Uh, I think I may have mentioned this, that one cynic said that family is a place where we breed mentally ill people. Uh, I hope not. But in so many cases, that's exactly what's happened. There's so much dysfunction. There's so much anger. Uh, there's so much bi- bitterness, 
uh, rancor in that family that it's just it's impossible to turn out normal, healthy kids. Uh, at least, at least not very healthy. Solomon says, "A man who finds a wife finds a treasure." Now, if if we as men see our wives as treasures, uh, and don't anybody say, "Well, then you would bury the treasure." Don't say that, please. Um, but if we see see our wives as treasure, we understand that we're going to treat her with great regard. We are going to respect her and love her and cherish her and care for her and make her feel absolutely special. But the fact is, is that so often we don't. Wives see their husbands as the enemy and, hu- and husbands see their wives as the, as the enemy until it gets to the point where they divorce. And then finally he says, I'm rid of her. And she says the same thing. I, I mean, it's, it's a joke nowadays. You go to the bakery and have a cake made, happy divorce. Yay, I got rid of him. It's crazy. It's absolute craziness, especially for those of us who are Christians, followers of Christ. We remember the words of, of God spoken through Malachi who said that God hates divorce. Divorce, I would submit to you, is one of the most violent acts on the planet. The breaking up of what God brings together. In fact, in your wedding vows, we say what God has brought together, let not anyone pull asunder or bring apart. Because the marriage is God's idea. Marriage is something precious. And you're going to see in just a few few moments just how very precious it is. Now, if you're a happy couple, if we got your couple here today, and you're happy in your marriage, and then the odds are really in your favor that you're going to have a very, very happy, joyful family. Your, your home will be a safe place. It will be a sanctuary. It will be a place where kids, your children will thrive and be happy and joyful. And in fact, we'll be able to develop health in a healthy manner. And we'll actually be able to excel and do better than their peers. There are statistics that support what I'm saying to you today. And I'm not, I'm not going to give you a statistical presentation. I would invite you to go and do some research on this on your own. I'm going to share uh, just a few stats in just a moment. Uh, thankfully, I've got Don Davidson, who, who's always tuned into what I'm doing. And he's always forwarding me to some great articles. So I'm just going to quote one of those articles this morning. But let me say this. If your home is not a happy place... I'm going to tell you, no one wants to be there. If you wonder why your kids don't want to be at home, why they don't want to hang out at home, there's a good chance that, that there's a mom and a dad that don't really care for each other. There's friction. There's tension in the home. Who, nobody wants to be around tension. I don't. I don't know if anybody here is familiar with the Myers-Briggs uh, personality test. One of the things my personality hates is tension. My personality type wants harmony. So in our house, you're not allowed to be moody. Everybody has to be happy. And if you're not, you have to fake it. <laughs> By the way, it's not a bad thing. If you fake it long enough, you fake it till you make it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's somewhere in Proverbs, I'm sure. But here's the thing. The reason God wants you to have a great marriage is not just so that there'll be harmony uh, in your lives, but God wants you to have a happy and joyful, harmonious marriage for the sake of your children. 
Because God loves those little children, and God wants you to have godly offspring. The only way that that can happen is if mom and dad love each other as God prescribes in Scripture. But even more than that, there's another very useful lesson for all of us and useful benefit to all of us. God wants you to be happy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundant. The way that you're going to have this abundant and happy marriage is really by just following the teachings of Jesus Christ. So at the end of the day, you know, it's good to go to marriage seminars and it's good to read the books. But at the end of the day, if you really want to know the truth, you could save yourself a lot of time and money on books and seminars if you just simply started doing what Jesus told you to do. And that's to love each other. Amen? So let's talk this morning about a biblical understanding of marriage. And again... Marriage as an institution is under attack. Don just sent me this from the Free Press. This is not published by any Christian organization. It's the Angus Reed Institute. They did a survey. And in their survey, they discovered that 56% of Canadians said that marriage is simply not necessary to form a lifelong relationship. And, and, and related to that, 57% say that when an unmarried couple has children, it's not important for that couple to get married. And then what you find in this article, again, not written by Christians, no references to the Bible, but what you discover is that they have all these statistics that prove that that way of thinking is in fact wrong. The way to be happy, the way to have a happy life is in fact to be married if you are a couple and if you have children. That is the healthiest for your kids. They will be the most prosperous, the most successful, the healthiest emotionally if their mom and dad are together. So Christians need to understand because, again, our understanding of marriage is under attack. There's a whole world out there that disagrees with our philosophy, our understanding of marriage and of the family. We need to understand the purpose of marriage, we need to understand the benefits of marriage, and we need to understand the joy of marriage. It's God's will. It's God's plan. Uh, recently, I saw a, an episode, I guess maybe not that recent, but there's an episode of The View, and on The View, they had a conservative pundit, a conservative woman. Uh, most of you know that The View is primarily very, very liberal, but there's, and I don't, they, they, they pull the conservatives on so they can just, you know, jump on them and chew them up and spit them out in little pieces. So they have this conservative on, and this conservative woman is talking about the economic security and the improved financial, educational, um, uh, social, emotional health of children that come from a home where there is a mother and a father. And that's all. They don't even talk about how the mother and father get along. She just said, if there's a mother and a father together, the kids are, are more uh, successful, they're happier, they're emotionally set, and they will excel in almost every area. At the table is um, a single mother by the name of Whoopi Goldberg. When she heard that, she had like, a nervous breakdown on the spot and nearly passed away. She was so angry. She was so upset. Are you saying that single mothers are not legitimate? And, and that's obviously not what the conservative pundit was saying. She was just making a, state, making a case for a happy marriage. 
and for working on the marriage and actually taking the time and making the effort to stay together and work on the marriage. Well, Whoopi Goldberg would not back down, and I don't know if she ever did get off that ledge. She might still be on it. Someone needs to talk her down from it. But I'm going to tell you the statistics speak for themselves. If you don't want to listen to what Scripture says, then just look at the raw data on the subject. So from a purely economic and a purely emotional and mental health perspective, marriage is best for kids and best for mothers and fathers. Now, I want to read to you God's plan for marriage. I want to, where marriage is first introduced into the scripture. We find it in Genesis chapter 2, and I'm starting at verse 15 here. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Did you get that? Did you get that? It's not good for man to be alone. God knows that we need each other. God knows that the best scenario is that a man and a woman are together and in love. Now, the interesting thing is that when we read Genesis chapter 1 and into chapter 2, God keeps saying, it keeps saying God created it and it was good. God created it and it was good. God created it, it was good. It was good, it was good. And then suddenly by verse 16, God's saying, oh, this is not so good. It's not good for man to be alone. Marriage is God's idea. God's the one who created this. It's God's invention. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave, them, gave, them names, gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but there still was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, at last. At last. Wow. This is mine? This is my helper? My wife? This is... This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So we see right off the bat, marriage is God's invention. It was God's idea that man and woman come together. And that man and woman enjoy each other sexually, that they reproduce. In fact, God says that they're supposed to reproduce and populate the whole earth. That's a lot of work to do. But it was good work, fun work. It was exactly what God wanted for this couple. Now, the problem is in our culture and in our society is that Satan comes along and he wants to pervert everything, twist everything, make everything look bad, look dirty. There's many of us here today even who've got a twisted understanding of sex. We have a twisted understanding of God's, what God has designed and called good. And for this reason, we see many people with problems in their marriage that need, that need counseling because of perhaps some terrible thing that happened in their childhood, 
Perhaps they're raised by a mother and a fa- or a father that had a negative or bad view of sex. But please understand something. Marriage and sex is absolutely God's idea. And it's to be celebrated. Marriage really is about sex. It's about coming together. It's about, it's about being joined together sexually, physically, but emotionally and mentally. It's becoming one flesh. Now, you need to understand that because that's what a marriage is. And this is one of the things that I, I tell young couples, especially those who are coming to me for counseling before they get married. You have to maintain your sex life. You've got to keep it strong. You've got to keep it healthy. It's one of the first indicators that things are not good in your marriage. This is God's design. God created this. And by the way, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's pure. It's holy. It's wonderful. This is why we talk to our kids about, about marriage and sex when they were just little, because it's a good, holy, pure thing. It's a gift from God. Let me say that again. It's a gift from God. Let me say it again. It's a gift from God. Nobody's saying amen here. You're just laughing. Let me say it one more time. It's a gift from God. Oh, that's good to hear. Now, the thing is this. If we're going to have a good and healthy marriage, then we're going to have to look, first of all, to a man and his responsibility to his wife. And the first thing we recognize is that the man must hold his wife as a treasure, as something great from God. A man must have a high view of his wife, must value her as precious. I was looking at some of the classical Jewish rabbinical literature about their view of women. Can I just read a few of these to you? It'll really quite amaze you. And you'll see, by the way, how Judaism and Christianity, which are closely connected, are very different from, from other religions. In the rabbinical literature, it says, Greater is the reward given by the Almighty to the righteous women than to righteous men. Doesn't say why, but they just hold women in high view. Women are light on raw knowledge. That is, they possess more intuition than men. I think most of us guys would say amen to that. Yeah, I guess not many. (laughs) My wife's got amazing intuition. When when Gloria speaks to an issue, I listen very carefully. They say women have greater faith than men. That's interesting, isn't it? It's it's often true. You'll find if we took if we counted right now, we probably have more women in church today than men. Women have greater faith than men. Women have greater powers of discernment. They can read things. They can see things. Men are like, huh? What? Women are especially tender-hearted. And look at this. This is really amazing. Israel was redeemed from Egypt by virtue of its righteous women. Wow. And one more. A man without a wife lives without joy, blessing, and good. A man should love his wife as himself and respect her more than himself. This is the tradition of Judaism and, by the way, of Christianity. Women are held in high view. 
Women are to be treasured. When Jesus Christ walked the earth as a teacher, he, he, he changed things. He valued women. He talked to women. He treated them as equals because in case, guys, you don't know it, women are, in fact, equal to men. This notion, this idea that there's men and then women and then children, and that that somehow tells us what their worth is, is just not biblical. He said, well, where did that come from? Well, I'm going to tell you in just a moment, if you could just hang tight for a minute. But I want you to see how precious, how valuable women are. And by the way, can I just tell you this? Our culture, it, it, there's, there's a real uh, schizophrenia about our culture. On the one hand, we've got women who are fighting for their rights because they believe that men aren't treating them or are not valuing them the way they should be valued. But at the same time, our culture fights for the rights to objectify women and to allow pornography and all manner of filth on TV, in the movies. And then we wonder why there needs to be a Me Too movement and why people like Harvey Weinstein need to be arrested and thrown into jail. How do we want this to play out in our culture and our society? Folks, it's time for us as Christians to understand the value of a woman. And it begins, I believe, it begins with men. Men are the ones that have got to take those first steps in valuing their wives and teaching their sons to value women. Which means that you're going to do everything in your power to help your sons overcome sexual perversion, pornography, anything that devalues women. I believe that that really is a call of a Christian man in our culture in the year 2018. Would you say amen to that? That's what it means to be a Christian in our culture. So a man who finds a wife finds a treasure. And that treasure is evidence of God's favor in your life. Now, I'm going to say that something that might come across as very old-fashioned and maybe even shocking to some, but I'm going to tell you this. The Bible, I believe, teaches us that the key to a happy marriage always begins with a man. It starts with a man. And I'm going to show you why in just a moment. Over all these years of being in the ministry, I've never yet found a woman who didn't want to get their marriage great, get it right, and, and have a great marriage. And never met that. She always wants to work on it. She always wants it to be fantastic. Men, on the other hand, think, well, I found my wife, I married her, now what's next on my bucket list? <laughs> I got that one under my belt, now let's get a career, and now let's get a house, let's get a car, let's get a big bank account, let's make money. But the wife understands better than the men that the most important thing in her life is her marriage. And I'm going to say this, when a man understands that the most important thing in his life is his marriage, that his wife is actually the treasure, that's a game changer. That's where love blossoms and flourishes. Women understand that marriage is to be worked on, whereas men, they think getting married is an achievement. Did you see my, my trophy wife? And then they have kids, did you see my trophy kids? 
And then you see my trophy car, my trophy house, and my trophy career. The most important thing in your life is your wife. And that's something that we teach her all the time. The most important thing in life is what? Relationship. What is it? Relationships. That's the most important thing in your life. And guys, it begins with your wife. Here's the amazing thing is that when you're working on your relationship with your wife, now your life is happy because your wife is happy. (laughs) Happy wife, happy life. Happy kids flow out of a happy marriage. So here's what's got to happen. Husbands, you've got to cherish your wife. She has got to feel as though she is the most important person in your life. In fact, there's nothing in your life that's more important. You're, you're number one. Someone said, you want to go golfing? I said, no, I don't golf. Well, what's your hobby? My wife and my kids. Because right now, it's all i got time for. Sometime when my kids move out and they don't have time for their dad anymore, then I might take up golfing, maybe. In fact, i got a brand-new set of clubs sitting in my garage, still with the wrappers on. They've been there for 15 years. And I'm waiting for the day when maybe I'll go golfing with Gloria. <laughs> It'll be probably more like going for a walk and just hitting a ball around and where did that ball go? I don't know, dear, but we're together. What, what else matters? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> yeah. Here's what Peter says. 1 Peter 3, 7. You husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. She's your equal. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. If you're not treating your wife right, if you're not treating her as an equal, if you're not honoring your wife, treating her as the treasure that she is, then the Bible's clear. God's not going to answer your prayers. If your wife is feeling dejected, if she's feeling lonely, she's feeling disconnected, if she's feeling unloved, then God would say this to you. Stop praying about other stuff and go connect with your wife. Get Get her sorted out. Make sure she's happy. And if your wife is happy, then God's saying, come speak to me after that. See, Pastor Allen, can you say that? Yeah. It's your husband. It's your responsibility to make sure your wife feels honored, that she feels that she is your equal, that you're not treating her disrespectfully, that you're not bypassing her, going around her, making decisions without her. You didn't treat her as you... As you should, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Isn't that interesting? How many of us knew today that your Christianity really does hinge on your behavior and how you treat your wife? And by the way, your kids are watching you. They're watching every move you make. And they know whether your Christianity is bogus or not based on the way that you treat your wife. You say, but Pastor Ellen, what about my wife? What's she supposed to do? Don't worry about that right now. Let's just look at you for a moment. Your job is to honor your wife. Treat her like your equal so that your prayers will be answered, so that God will be able to work in your life. God will be able to answer your prayers, and God will be able to do the miracles in your life that you've been looking for. So the first thing you need to do if you're going to get your marriage right, guys, 
is make sure that your wife feels treasured. And you say, well, how will I know? Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Ask. Just ask. Do you feel treasured, dear? And if she says no, don't pout. Don't get all upset and angry or hurt. I bought you a new washing machine. Isn't that proof that I love you? It's her washing machine, is it? In our house, it's my washing machine. (laughs) Talk to her. Do you feel treasured, dear? Do you really feel loved? Do you feel embraced? Do you feel that I treat you with honor and respect? That's critical for your spiritual life, your spiritual growth and development. Here's the second thing that has to happen. You need to talk. I just said that, didn't I? No communication means no relationship. I see this all the time. Couples are struggling in their relationship, and it's because they just don't talk. They never talk about anything. Now, I don't want any wives, don't elbow your husband here, please. Don't do that. I told you, don't do that. What's happening, is it? (laughs) When you get home, or when you leave here, or when you get in your car, (laughs) don't start talking about it until you get in the car. When you get in the car, start having a conversation about that. And guys, if you have a hard time talking, which most guys do, then just say, you know, dear, I, 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 don't, I, I don't even know what to talk about. Can you help me? Just help me talk. And I'm going to tell you, your wife will be very glad to teach you how to communicate. And don't be offended. Don't be hurt. But make sure you're talking. Make sure you're communicating. Make sure that you understand each other's hearts. I just got to quickly read this to you. It's, it's really quite funny. Tonight, I thought my husband, this is her diary, her diary. Tonight, I thought my husband was acting weird. He made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. I was shopping with my friends all day long, so I thought he was upset at the fact that I was a bit late, but he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk, and he agreed, but he didn't say much, because guys never do. I asked him what was wrong, and he said nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him, and he smiled slightly, and I kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say I love you too when we got home. I felt as if I had lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly, watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. And finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. And about 50 minutes later, he came to bed. But I still felt that he was distracted and and that his thoughts were somewhere else. And he fell asleep, and I cried. And I don't know what to do, and I'm almost sure that his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. His diary. Motorcycle won't start. Can't figure out why. She's having a nervous breakdown. Their marriage is coming to an end. If he says it's nothing, it's nothing. But guys, can you give your wife a little bit of something extra? Can you just talk to her? If she's saying, I love you, dear, you better say something. You're an idiot. (laughs) I don't think I ever called anybody an idiot from the platform before. (laughs) 
you, you got to talk. Just start talking. Porn, make stuff up, <laughs> but start talking. Tell her. Tell her what's in your heart. Let her know that you love her. Communicate. There's no, there's, it's, it's no uh, coincidence that God compares our relation to him as a, as, as, as a marriage, as a relationship between a man and a woman. It's not a coincidence. And you want to know how to have a strong relationship with your wife? Then just think of how to have a strong relationship with God. You need to let God talk to you by reading the Bible. And you need to talk to God through prayer. It's two-way communication. You show me somebody who's not praying and reading their Bible uh, daily or at least every other day, I'm going to show you somebody who is failing miserably in their walk with God. You show me a husband and wife who never talk, I'm going to show you a couple that are just waiting to get a divorce. No communication means no relationship. The third thing that you need to do if you're going to get marriage right is women, and this is going to sound really hokey and and old-fashioned, ready for this, and I thought, man, should I say this? But I have to. T- I got to teach you the whole Bible, amen? amen. Women, you have to praise your husbands. So I thought I was supposed to praise God only. Well, I, look, and I'm not saying worship Him, although the Bible uh, does actually compare our our relationship to Him uh, with marriage. The old Anglican wedding vows spoke of. Earthly, our earthly worship. Did you, did you know that? The old vows used to say that. I worship my wife. My wife worships me. We understand that to mean I value her and I will love her and keep myself only to her. Isn't that interesting? Ladies, your men need to know that they're doing a good job as your husbands. Look at it says here in 1 Peter Chapter 3, verse 5. It's two verses before the, the verse I just showed you. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. You know, when I read that, man, that's like nails on a blackboard in my 2018 years. My 2018 years, look at that and go, ooh. But can I just, just unpack that for you quickly and help you understand what this means? By the way, if you have an older version, it actually talks about women obeying their husbands. The modern version just kind of lightens it up a little bit. They used to have it in the wedding vows. Women would promise to obey their husbands. Well, we see, see, the thing is, we don't understand what that means. We're not suggesting that women are like little children. We're not saying that at all. That's not what Peter is saying. That's not what the Bible says. I mean, I've told you the high view that, that Judaism and Christianity holds women in. They have the high view, an elevated view. In fact, one rabbi used to say whenever he heard his mother coming, he would say, here comes the divine presence. <laughs> high, high view of women. So here's what we need to understand. Every organization needs a leader whether it's a church, whether it's a school, uh, whether it's a business, you need a CEO, uh, whether it's a hospital, whatever it may be, it needs a leader. It needs somebody who says the buck stops here. I'm going to take responsibility. 
Now, here's the thing. If you're going to take responsibility for something, then you also have to have the authority to do that job. You want to know how to burn out a teacher? Give her all the responsibility, but give her no power to get the job done. You want to know how to burn out a principal? Give him responsibility for everything, but take away his authority and his power. You want to know how to burn out a father or a husband? Give him all the responsibility, but take away his authority. What are we talking about here? We're talking about everybody falling in line and following the leader. Now, listen to me. Listen, don't, I don't want anybody going away from here thinking, oh, I'm, the, I'm the leader here. I'm the boss. I have authority. Hold on a minute here. Guys, you need to understand what we're talking about when, when we talk about you having authority. We're saying that, and this is what Paul says to the Ephesians, we're saying that you are the chief servant in your house. As the one who carries authority, you're saying the buck stops with me. I'm taking responsibility for everybody. I'm making sure my wife is happy. I'm making sure my kids are happy. The buck stops with me because you're the chief servant in your household. I'm going to tell you, when when that authority, that chain of authority breaks down, then you have chaos, you have anarchy, and you have very unhappy people, very unhappy kids, very unhappy youth. Authority is something instituted by God. And so there is, there's, when we talk about equality, it's total equality. And by the way, can I just say something? This might shock you, but your kids are actually equal to you. They're not less than you. They're not, they're not your servants. As parents, our job is to serve our children. And husbands, your job is to serve your wife and your kids and make sure that they're happy and that their needs are met. Your job is really to treat your wife as though she's the queen of your realm. And it's your job to care for her. And so these beautiful women of old, what they did is they trusted God. They trusted God's wisdom, God's judgment, God's instruction. And because they trusted God's judgment, they were willing to accept the authority of their husbands. They're willing to say, dear, I'm going to let you take charge, and I'm going to follow your leadership. That doesn't mean to say that she's less than him by, by no means. It means there's different roles to play, different responsibility. And we see it right there in the Garden of Eden. And what happens when women do not follow the authority, the instruction of their husbands? Well, we see what happened to Adam and Eve. What happens when men don't take their position of authority and their responsibility to give leadership in their family? Look what happened to Adam and Eve. Where was that dopey Adam? Where's that dummy? Probably playing video games or something. Come on, Adam. Step it up there. Protect your wife. That's your job. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. And he receives favor from the Lord. What is that favor? I'm going to tell you. It's a happy home. A blessed and happy and a joyful home where your kids are just so happy. Malachi 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 says, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. You are one and you belong to God. And what does, that, what does God want? What does he want from us? Well, I'll tell you, he wants godly children from your union. That's what it says in Malachi 2.15. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. 
Because the best thing, guys, you're going to do for your children is to love your wife. And the best thing, ladies, you're going to do for your children is to love your husband. So often when the, when the babies come along, the women get their eyes off of their husband, onto their kids, and they say, I'll talk to you in about 18 years. Don't do that. I thank God for my wife. She never, ever did that. Even when the kids were so little and so precious and our, our little treasure, I was still the treasure. Did you hear that? I'm not bragging. Well, I guess I am. But my, our kids watched us love each other wholeheartedly their whole lives. We taught them what healthy looks like. We taught them what godly or Christian normal looks like. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, thank you for your word that gives us such great advice, great teaching, great instruction as to how to have a great marriage and how to have a happy family life. Father, uh, help, us, uh, help us guys who are husbands to properly tre treasure and cherish our wives so that our wives know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that our girls are the most important in our lives, and important thing in our lives, most important people in our lives. We pray that our children would be settled and joyful knowing that mom and dad love each other. God, help us to be wise. Help us to communicate to our kids just how much we love each other. We pray, Father, that you would help us to live according to the instruction in your word. Help us not to, not to adopt or embrace the philosophies of this world which are empty and have a dead end. Help us to embrace the teachings of Scripture which bring life and abundant life. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Amen.